Marianne Goodland follows the Colorado legislature for the Gazette newspapers as well as Colorado politics. She'll have her hands full with a special session that the governor called in the wake of Prop HH's massive defeat. She gives her predictions along with some more analysis of the recent election results here on this, the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and searching for our channel, IITV, which stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. You're going to like this discussion. The woman who knows more than anything on local elections from the Gazettes and Colorado politics, Marianne Goodland. Thank you for being here. All right, we're still figuring out everything that's going to happen in the special session. I want to ask you about that. But first, beyond HH's beautiful demise, what else happened on election night that some folks might not have caught? I think the election up in Boulder for mayor was a, was a really interesting one because we've never seen ranked choice voting um, for, for the Boulder mayor's race before. And on election night, Aaron Brockett, who was the incumbent, it was, it was pretty darn close, um, and closer than I would have expected. In the end, when everything was done with you know, 24, 48 hours later, he did, in fact, win his race. But that came really close to a runoff, which I think is an, is an interesting way to look at how Boulder voters are looking at their uh, elected officials and a new way of doing these kinds how of elections. How did it get close to a runoff if it was ranked choice voting? So there were four candidates and you, you rank them in the choices that you want, and they, they, they knock off the least votes, and then they right. recalculate it without that guy, and they recalculate it without that guy, and then it comes down to the last two. Isn't that the, technically the last runoff? Ranked choice voting always takes so long. Yes. That and it's always contentious, and I'm, I'm not a fan for a host of reasons. Uh, but you have four different elections with different candidates, and but you don't get to vote that way as a can uh, because you it, the lineup changes, and, and, but you you don't get to see the lineup as a voter. You just put them in your order that you like, but that order might not be available on election day when you fill out your little form. Yeah, and I and I don't know why. Um, folks were talking about a runoff. Um, I, I didn't look to see what the percentages were. If you had to get at least 50% not to have a runoff, um, that, that, could be, that could be it. But I, I honestly don't know for sure. I had just seen that reported and didn't, and because I was following HH and a lot of other things, I didn't go back to see exactly why that, why it would have worked that way. It would have been wonderful to see approval voting in a city like that yeah. too where it's a similar thing where you get to vote for as many candidates as you want, uh, but whoever gets the most votes want at once would win. Right. That would just, um, it would be great to see them on the same ballot and see if, if they would do the same thing. But approval voting, ha uh, ranked choice voting has a lot of money behind it, and so you're seeing it in more and more and cities. And cer certainly did see that up in Boulder. Right. Also, the one in Boulder that was interesting was, I think it was 302, which was to to get encampments away from sidewalks right. and make it safer for kids to get to school. And that won by a sizable majority because even in politically correct Boulder, Boulder. they're tired. They're tired of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and that that and I will be honest. That kind of surprised me too, knowing how permissive some folks in in Boulder are. On the other hand, they've had some real interesting conversations up there about their the problems of the housing problems up there, whether it's not allowing people to live together who aren't related, or uh, you know, getting rid of the encampments, that kind of thing. You know, the the attitude really does appear to be shifting. You certainly see that in Denver. People want the encampments gone. You're starting to see that now in Boulder. Even I live in Boulder, and people yeah, are getting tired of the crime. They're not feeling safe. They're not feeling like the places where they could go and relax and let their kids play by the parks, by the creek. You know, Evan, do you find park, you know, these wonderful places that make Boulder special, you can't can't go because you get stuck by a needle or you'll step in poop and there's just it's it's not it's not safe anymore so i wasn't surprised by it at all so it, it, odd that that happened in boulder aurora also seemed to um aurora uh, went aurora went more conservative that and, and frankly that kind of surprised me a little bit too that? on the city council um i believe they they had um even though it's allegedly nonpartisan election, right. which nobody nobody buys that. But but um, it, it seems like there were more conservative people who were elected this time around. Aurora is getting more conservative, which I find really fascinating given the diversity of the population and their representation in the state legislature. You know, the city council is getting to be a pretty darn conservative group. The only, th- the only thing that Mayor Mike didn't get was more authority in how he runs the city. That's it. That's the only thing he didn't get. He didn't get a strong, a strong mayor. But yeah. that could pop up in a year or two. Sure could. And we'll see. Yeah. And he's not going anywhere. He's nope. He's he's got another he's got another four years to to work. And on if this. I understand it, he could run again after that, couldn't he? I believe so. Right. Uh, mayor mayor's elections are are three terms instead of two, like they are for legislators. So hardest working man in show business. I've never seen a politician like like Coffin. He's. As Wadham said, if there's two or more people gathered in Aurora, he's going to go to it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to HH, which was, I think, the story. How big, how big of a hit is this to to Jared Polis? This was a signature piece of, of legislation. He put his name on it. He was out in front of it. Uh, he came to the end of the session he, riding in on a white steed without a whole lot of stakeholder process. This was his bill, and it went down big. Big time, yeah. Um, I, I have to tell you a funny story. I talked to my crystal ball uh, about a month or so, maybe even longer than six weeks before the election. That's Ernest Lunning. I said, Ernest, give me your best number. What's HH going to come in at? And he said, 60-40. Honest, honest to Pete, he said 60-40. Losing. He nailed it. Wow. Six weeks out before the election, uh, That which is why I call him my crystal ball. I, if I want to know something, I ask Ernest. Um, but... For Polis, it's it's been a it's been kind of a rough year for him. Um, his land use bill went down spectacularly in the legislative session on the very last day of the session when he lost a whole lot of votes from the Democrats in the state Senate more than you would than you would expect. So, what kind of hit does he take from this? That I think a lot depends on how the legislature reacts in this special session. Uh, if if he gets everything that he wants in the bill, the bills that are being proposed, and I'm hearing a lot of different proposals out there, 
you know, my big question is, did he listen? We and we don't know the answer to that. Oh, yet. he didn't listen. Well, <laughs> he he sure didn't listen during the session to to the counties and the special districts and the uh, you know uh, all these groups that the fire districts, all these groups that came out and said this is not the way you need to do this. Didn't listen. So I'm waiting. And one of the things he said on Thursday, um, the day he announced the special session was that he wanted to see bipartisan. Uh, don't look at me like that. Don't look at me like that. But I'm really intrigued to see if the proposals that come out on Friday, and by the time this airs, of course, we'll be through our first day of the session, uh, if those proposals truly are bipartisan. What I'm hearing right now is that's not what's, what's coming. Well, and also bipartisan in a legislature that has a supermajority on the other side, you know, where Democrats control everything. Ab absolutely. You know, bipartisan means spread the blame. That, you know, bipartisan means, hey, we're going to bring you down with us. There's nothing Republicans uh, can do. From my part, uh, my point is, or curiosity is, are they going to go against the will of the people? The will of the people was very clear. We want our Tabor refunds. Right. We don't want to pay for this. We want you to lower the assessment rate, which is what Gallagher used to do. Right. You know, we we want you to yeah. lower the assessment rate. We don't mind it going up with inflation plus population growth. We've made that pretty clear with both Gallagher and with with uh, Tabor, Tabor itself. Yeah. And we want our Tabor refunds. So what did what was in the special call for the the special session was property tax relief from Tabor refunds. You know, he put it right there in the call. So it's just amazing to me how this legislature can do exactly opposite of what the people directly say. Uh, I remember, what was it, Prop 120, which was it 120? No, 112, which, oh, yeah. which was the, the, the one on, on fracking. And they said, no, leave, leave the oil and gas industry alone. And what did they do? They come in and they put in Senate Bill 88, which was much more restrictive and was a Gordian knot destroying the oil and gas industry, which was much worse than Proposition 112. Yeah. And so when the legislature comes back, either in the special session, which I think is just going to be a Band-Aid to get them to the next special, to the regular session, you know, will they, will they listen to the, to the, to the people? The one thing that color me skeptical. The one big difference between Prop HH and what they're going to be doing at the end of this week is that they're only dealing with 2023, and then long-term solutions. And 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 I have to give the governor props a little bit of props for this. He called for a blue ribbon panel that will come up with a long-term solution. Guess what? That bill is already out there. That bill was in the legislative session back in January. This was a bill from Byron Pelton and Lisa Frizzell. Byron's a former county commissioner. Lisa's a for former county assessor. Nobody knows assessment issues better than Lisa. I mean, she's, she's, you know, she's the queen of it. And um, they had this, this task force, 22-member uh, task force that they proposed back in January. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Hang on a second. So Frizzell, assessor, county commissioner put together an idea of putting everyone together. Yeah. And they probably wanted to lower the assessment rate. They, Still bring no, in more. No, they did they they put no ideas out there. They said 
we need long-term solutions. We're going to let you guys, county commissioners, assessors, people from the education community, um, people from special districts, uh, lawmakers, uh, and it was three and three on the lawmakers, uh, three from the House, three from the Senate, and you know various different groups. And they and, brought this bill at the beginning of the last session. Yes, back Marilyn, in January. Marianne, Marianne, let me ask, what uh, what happened to that bill? Uh, what do you expect happened to that bill? Went I down, bet it got executed in committee. It sure did. Senate Finance Committee killed it right just very quickly. But the governor last week said, "I wanted I want a blue ribbon panel." Well, this is the same. This is the Frizzell Pelton bill from January. If he's smart, um, he'll ask for something very similar to that. Now that's not going to happen. The in other, the, that's not happening this week. That's going to that's going to wait until January. The other part of that bill was let's take the assessment rate, let's bring it close to what it would have been with Gallagher and get us to the next session. Right. It was, hey, let's, let's have a Band-Aid since we've waited a year. Let's wait another year. Let's bring it down, give everyone some property relief. Let's bump it up a little bit so everybody gets a 10% uh, more. This is uh, well above inflation. So every government, you all get a big hunkin' raise. Uh, uh, everybody pays a lot more in taxes, so everyone should be happy. Uh, governments should be happy. Taxpayers will not get as screwed as they will if we do nothing. And let's put these people together. And it got destroyed. Yeah. We had to did. wait till the end of the session for this fake holder bill. There was no stakeholder process. It was a fake holder bill where Governor and Fenberg came in and said, well, we talked to everybody. They talked to nobody. They didn't talk. They sure didn't talk to the counties. They didn't talk to the assessors because they all went, "No, this doesn't work." I, I want you to say that because it's not just me from my political point of view. No, no, the no. The governor I, and Fenberg did not no. have a stakeholder process. Am I saying that correctly? You're the reporter. I, I would say that that was accurate because because of all the complaints I heard from the folks, especially in the counties, they're like, "We we we got shut out," and and unfortunately, this has kind of been. The way things, a lot of things have been happening on all kinds of issues. The land use, the land use bill was the same thing, um, where instead of the counties getting shut out, it was the municipalities who got shut out. And and when that happens, you know, you're just you're you're just in for one fight after another. And in the end, the whole thing went down, went by the wayside. So, I but I still I still want to give the governor some props for wanting to at least entertain this idea of a of a group that will come together and take a look at the issue in the 2024 session. Well, that, who, who represents taxpayers and property owners in this? You know, we don't know because we don't know what the bill's gonna look like yet, and we won't know that until January. You know, the thing that bothers me about these Blue Ribbon Commissions, because I've been stuck in these things before, as the one guy who's the idiot in the room, and in comes everybody from uh, all the representatives from all these groups of governments. And you get the counties come in, and then the cities come in, and then the special districts come in, and then the transit organizations come in, and then the park and recs guys come in, and then and then the, the bicycle Shiites come in, and then the, uh, all the other special interests come in, and then the people who want to save the earth come in, they want more government. Everybody who wants more spending comes in, and there's nobody there representing the people who have to pay. And I sit there going, you know, there's 300 people here and one poor idiot who goes, uh, we'd like to pay less and, you know, and it's, it's, it goes down. Thank God for Tabor. Thank God that 
we get to vote on these things sometimes when they don't figure out a way to get around it. Um, part of me says, just bring back Gallagher. Just, if people understood what they gave up with Gallagher. They do now. They do now. <laughs> uh, they do no, now. They, they certainly will when their tax bill arrives yeah. in the spring. Yeah, uh, even true. even you know even with whatever relief is coming in this special session, what relief do you think is going to come in this special session? It, it's a band aid, as you said. It's it. Um, I, I've heard I've heard different proposals. One, uh, the governor said that he would entertain at least the idea of a reduction, a value reduction, as well as an assessment rate reduction. I know that the progressives, the Democrats, want to see that value reduction. I've already seen one proposal that's out there uh, for a value re uh, a value reduction, and this is the reduction in the value of your house, and then they assess the property taxes on that reduced value. Uh, uh, one of seventy five thousand dollars. It's right now. It's it's set at fifteen thousand. So they want to up that up to seventy five thousand. But the important thing is that's only for residential. They're going to do something different for multifamily housing, and they're going to do a completely different thing for the hotels, the lodging, the commercial property value, or the commercial properties that are out there. Different numbers for all of those. This will be real interesting to see because I had some people who, who kind of question whether that's legal. So it could, it could, it could be weird. That's, that's one proposal. The other is to backfill fire districts and schools, but not counties. And the counties are all uh, from. I've already heard from some county folks. It's like this is payback. All right, let me for, let for me, opposing let me, HH. Let me throw the BS flag here. This I'm made just, up I'm term. I'm just telling you. I'm know, just telling you what, but just what this I'm hearing. Term and even for the media to pick up the term backfill. There ain't no backfill. You know, there's there. Nobody's losing any money that needs to be backfilled. It's like the the game that DC plays that you know. These, these governments are expecting to get this huge windfall, and now that their expectation, instead of getting a 40% tax increase out of nowhere, now they might get a little, they might get 39% increase, and go, oh my God, who's gonna backfill that 1%? That 1%. No, under Gallagher, you would have gotten a 5% increase, and you're, you're, you're gaining money no matter what. There is no backfill. The state owes you no money. You know, you're getting money no matter what. And so for the governor even to use the term backfill, it is a loaded term that implies that somehow, oh, all the governments in Colorado are dying of money. We need to be backfilled. And if there's a backfill, it sets a precedent yeah. that, um, that the government, the the government, the state government is now going to be shoveling money to the locals. Colorado's form of government is a local control. That the locals raise the money for your local government. That's the way it's always been since the beginning of time here in Colorado, and that's why we have such local control. And if we want to be like New Jersey, where every little government, every little you know, sewer district runs to the state and begs for money, we lose the, what makes Colorado responsible and accountable, that those people have to be responsive to the people in their town. This is, this is a really freaking dangerous precedent we're about to set in this, in, this, um, in this special session. 
And for the governor to fall for that, and I let me say, media, I'm looking at her, to use the term <laughs> backfill without without a, actually saying there's, there's nothing to backfill. You got the local governments, every branch of them, are getting filthy wealthy, and to say we need to get backfilled is is not explaining what's going on. Okay. Point taken. I'm pointing at you. Fine. <laughs> do I have a point? Yes, you do. And, and you're absolutely correct. It, everybody was looking for a very big increase. It's just going to be a smaller increase. A smaller, huge increase. Smaller, huge increase, yeah. Instead of a 40% increase, maybe it's going to be And we don't even, we, we, we still don't even know what that's going to be because of this special session, which could be monkeying around at least a little bit with the assessment rate. What I'm hearing is that they are not going to reduce the assessment rate substantially. I know Michael Fields at Advanced Colorado would love to see it down at 4%, which is what's on ballot measure 50 that mm -hmm. will come up next year. And he actually offered a, a sort of a, a white flag of truce that if they could get, if they could reduce the assessment rate, and it didn't have to be 4%, he said he's willing to entertain something a little that's higher than that. He, he didn't set a hard number, but he's willing to drop 50 for next year if they can come up with a reasonable assessment rate. To put that but into we English, we don't know what that is. There's already a uh, ballot initiative that is certified yep. that would lower that assessment rate uh, to something much, much lower. It's 4%. Uh, 4%. 4%. Right now, the assessment rate is 6.765%. What I'm hearing, at least one proposal wants to drop it to 6.7%. I know Republicans would like to see it something far, far smaller than that. You know, I haven't seen a hard number, but you know, six percent would not surprise me. And if whether Gallagher, that's whether that's good enough to get Michael to take off to take his ballot measure off, he said he would just prefer not to go through the headache of of a can, another campaign. I don't know if that's a, if six percent is going to be good enough to do that. If Gallagher were still in law, yeah. still in the Constitution, that residential rate would be between five and a half and six percent somewhere yeah. around there yeah that's probably right yeah so you know that's where it should be remember we were promised a replacement for gallagher, gallagher which we never got and this and prop hh certainly was not a replacement for for gallagher right uh, you said it i did it <laughs> uh, the other great thing about the other thing about Gallagher, what what I did not like is it had two classifications for property. I'm getting a little wonky here, so people don't don't grab the dial just yet. Residential and commercial, but only two two things, and only the residential would ratchet down if if uh, property values went skyrocketing. Right to keep to keep your tax bill the same. Right, it didn't do the same for for, business. for, for businesses for commercial, for commercial right. which was so very wrong. And people think that you don't pay, you know, only businesses pay commercial. We all pay it in our yeah. products and services. Sure you do. And so, you know, the, instead of repealing it, we should have just done what we do for residential. We should have done the same thing for commercial so that they too, um, when their valuations went up, that they would also get cut down so that... The problem with Gallagher, though, is that you had that 4555 ratio that you couldn't you, you either have it or you don't right which you, and you really couldn't monkey around too much with those assessment rates because you had to maintain com, uh, commercial at 55 percent 
of all assessed value and residential at 45%. I think that was, I right. think that's it. For people who aren't following you, again, it gets, Apolo- you get, yeah, it my gets really apologies. weird. It's that out of wonky. all the money that comes in, 55% of all the money that comes in has to come from commercial. Correct. It was one of those ways so that when you go to and talk to your friends in New York and they go, oh yeah, I pay $4,000 a year in taxes, they go, that's it? Oh my God, we pay $20,000 a year for our home. Well, it's because the businesses pay all the money. The, the businesses. And then you were, pay for it every that. time you yeah. buy a loaf of bread at King Supers. Right. Right. That's why, that's why everything is so expensive here and why um, uh, feds say that our inflation in the Denver metro area and Colorado is among the highest in the nation. And Gallagher is one of those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so we're going to have a Band-Aid solution. They're going to use taper refunds. They're going to, quote, backfill. What would be a better term? They're going to placate. <laughs> they're going to placate whiny uh, um, um, local governments. And then they're going to try to do something in... In the 24 session. In the 24 session. That's uh, where we're at. All right. And there could be some other initiatives that pop up, too, if, if somebody wants. That's how Gallagher happened, if I recall. Gallagher, Gallagher was a referral from was the legislature. It? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was, not, that was not a citizen initiative. That was okay. a referral from the legislature. Uh, back when you could get 50% and get it passed. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, no. I, no. That was in 2020. You already had the 55% requirement. No, Gallagher was passed. I know, I know Gallagher right. was passed in the 1980s. I know that. But, and, and I'd have to go back. I don't remember but the- But was Gallagher referred? The original was, Gallagher. The, oh, I, no, the original, no, the original, Ga, the original Gallagher was Dennis Gallagher, right. the state lawmaker who got the citizen initiative. That's what I thought. That's what I meant. Okay. okay that's all right. what I meant. All right. Sorry. And he got a lot of help from, uh, with Ron Stewart back then, back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. I remember when. I remember <laughs> when. All right. That's the big fight. The legislative session lasts three days because that's how long it takes. Assuming, to, that, assuming that's 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 not cast in stone, but you need three days to get a bill through both chambers of the legislature. That's your bare minimum. My it sense doesn't is, necessarily have to be three days. It could be longer, or if everything collapsed like it did in the Hickenlooper special session in 2017, they were actually two days because they knew that they weren't going to get anything done, and they gave up after two days. Well, they can't do it on this one. They, no. Something will pass. Something will pass. I get a sneaking suspicion they have a pretty good idea what's going to pass. Do you, or am I off? I've, I, the proposals I've seen, I've, I've only seen one fully thought-out proposal so far. I expect there will be other ones, because I, I know, and I, I don't want to say who wrote the one that I'm looking at right now. Uh, really, but their name rhymes with what? Uh, let's let, um, let's, it, there was a president with the same name. (laughs) Do we have a representative Nixon? No. So it's Kennedy's. All right. So you saw Kennedy's. I saw Kennedy's. There we go. Um, now whether that's going to be the one that all the Democrats hang their hats on, I don't know because I know the progressives in the, as particularly in his caucus in the house, want to see big value reductions. They don't want to see assessment rate reductions. Why not? Is it because they, they want to see redistribution? They want to use this as that's, a redistribution that's it, tool. That's it exactly, because value, and they want to cap it at a certain value of, of a home. It's, say you have a, a home that's worth 1.4 million. Maybe the cap's at 1.4 million, and above 
1.4 million, you, you get nothing. I mean, that, because they want to see the tax relief going to low and middle income Coloradans. Because they want to redistribute wealth. That's all it, well, it's what socialists always want to do. They but want that, to redistribute but that, wealth. That is what they, that's what they would like to see. If you do a, if you do a flat um, assessment rate change, that, that benefits everybody. Everybody equally. Everybody. Heaven forbid that second second homes, you know, short term rentals, all that, all that kind of stuff, and that's what they're trying to get a, get away from, is benefiting people who have these, uh, who buy homes for rental purposes or uh, second homes, like what you see in the ski resort communities. Because they pay more taxes, they shouldn't have the same amount of relief. Uh, they're not low and middle income Coloradans. Yes, because we should redistribute wealth. The ideological battle continues. It when does. You, when you have socialists in the legislature, the people question, take your the money and give it is, to people who don't make it. Yeah, the question is whether whether there are going to be proposals from that part of the caucus um, in either the House or Senate where they where they go so after that value So how much of this gets reduction? to the leadership of the governor? This is This is the whole thing. During the debate... Uh, it was fascinating when the governor uh, admitted, hey, I want to see lower property taxes. I want to see a lower assessment rate. He said, I want to see lower income, income tax taxes. rates. Yeah. I want to see a portable um, uh, senior, senior homestead ex yeah. exemption. He said all these things. And then he looked at R Rose Puglisi and said, um, yeah, but good luck getting 20 Democrats to agree with you on this. I'm thinking, good God, man, you are the leader of, your... of a super majority Democrats. You are the king socialist here. You are the king progressive. You are the king of this super majority. You can't get 20 of your team to do these things. At what point does this governor get off his butt and lead these people to the promised land and get his reforms done? Because it sure seems like the progressives and the socialists and the redistributionists keep leading this guy who wants flat taxes and no redistribution. It seems like they lead him and the leader of the party is the one that gets led. Except, and I would not call Jared Polis a progressive. I, I, I would not. I'm, I'm not on this issue. He's, um, he, he, he doesn't want the redistribution. You know, he... He, he vetoed the rent, con or I'm sorry, he didn't veto. He, he saw to it that the rent control bill didn't make it to his desk. That's, that was a very progressive Every environmental bill, every LGBT uh, trans yes, bill. Yes, on, no, on those issues, yes. So I, I'm just saying on this particular issue, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a, a progressive. HH um, was a very progressive. It bill. was. And, and, but keep in mind, he didn't have to sign off. He didn't have to sign off on that one because that was a referred measure to the ballot. He did. He had to sign off on uh, Senate Bill 303, which sign, created it, including, because, well, including the lying wording of it was in Senate Bill 303. True. He had to put he, his sign on it. Because there were things in 303 that did not apply to the ballot. Right. But that's he the, had to that's, sign it. He had to sign it, be, which he doesn't normally have to do on referred measures that go right. to the Agreed. ballot. But this, this one, one had, did. Uh, because, and, and part of that was because of that other little bill, 1311, right. that had the- um, Checks in it. The checks right. in it. By the way, the checks are coming back in one of these proposals. Yes. Another flat Tabor refund. Right. But getting back to the question. Yeah. 
Why isn't he lead? I th things are changing in our legislature, particularly in the House. You have more and more progressive lawmakers getting elected who don't feel that they necessarily have to kowtow to what the governor wants. They, they have their ideas about what they think should address these issues. Keep in mind that they have not been terribly successful. Some things, yes. But on this particular issue, particularly on the housing issue, on, on things related to this, they have, not had, they have not had that much success. And that's his leadership. That, that's him saying no. And, had, some, and sometimes... And sometimes well, they had success with HH. And they did. Say, they mean, did we, with can't, a, we can't even call them progressives. Remember, we've got six members of uh, Democratic Socialists for America in the, in the legislature. Uh -huh. So they're not progressives. We have socialists, and I think it's fair to call them socialists. And for a guy who, who tries to call himself a libertarian-minded, business-friendly governor, I don't see him standing up to, to them. He didn't stand up with HH. He didn't stand up on any environmental issues. Uh, he hasn't stood up on any social issues. You know, so here's a chance in a special session. Let's see if he stands up. Uh, from what I can tell, he's going to roll over and play dead, and we'll see if he, this is a chance. This is, on, on this one, he's got to sign everything that comes to his desk, or at least he's going to be required to sign off on whatever comes to his desk. And that's where you're going to see whether these solutions are things that he's willing to, to go forward with. What's your prediction? I, th I think there will be a Democratic proposal that gets passed, I can't say right now of the ones that I've seen, I don't know which one is going, is going to be the one that winds up on his desk. There could be, and, and in, in all likelihood, there will be more than one bill. If you want to do the flat table refund, that's got to be in a separate bill. I expect, I expect it because he liked that so much um, and he wants to sweep. Which is also redistribution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, because everybody gets the same refund no matter how right. much you make. <clears throat> that was, and that, that wasn't in HH, but it was tied to it. And... Certainly, that was the thing that they did a year ago um, with a flat refund that went to everybody right before the election, which didn't fool me right. certainly or anybody else that I know. Um, and you're and he did this. He tried to do the same thing with HH, which was to sweeten the pot, primarily because renters who represent forty percent of Coloradans really were getting screwed by HH. I'm I'm curious to see what what is in there in these proposals for the people who pay those property taxes through higher rents. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't, I'm told that there will be mechanisms, but I haven't seen them. I don't know what they look like. Not yet. There was 200 million set aside. Correct. In case HH won for the first bit of um, uh, placating local governments. If money's still there. They can still spend that. It'll get spent. It will. Um, I think the biggest danger is starting to buy off local governments. That is, um, uh, that, that is a roller coaster the state will never be able to get off of. I think the big question is which local governments? Is it the fire districts? Is it the schools? Or does that also include the counties? And I've heard some proposals do not include the counties. What's so ridiculous is that all of these local governments every single one of them can go to their constituents and ask. They don't even money. have to, they don't even have to ask, John. 
Look at what Douglas County did. They reduced their mill levies to give people property tax relief. They didn't have to ask their voters if they could do that. They didn't have to do anything. They could do that on their own. I'm hearing that there are other counties that are looking at the same thing. They can reduce their mills if they really want to produce or if they property. I, what I'm saying is if they want more money, instead of going to the uh, state and say, you know, give us, quote, backfill, if they want even more, they can ask their constituents to raise their taxes. The levy overrides happen all the time. They do. They and do. usually they pass. Depends depends on what county you're talking about. Right, but you, you but, tell them yeah. what they need. If a fire department needs more engines, you say, we need more engines. Library needs something. Yeah. Hospital districts, yeah. And and people people generally do like their local governments and like to, like to support their local governments. Because they're local. Yeah. But in 20 years because, from now... Because, we, they're, because they're, there's more of a direct relationship between citizens and their local governments you know the these guys these are the guys you run into in the grocery store every day you know it's a very unique it's colorado very form of government we you know people say oh, our our government is so small here in colorado our state government is actually pretty small compared to others our local governments are huge we have 5000 plus governments and uh, Ranking the size of local governments here, we're about 13, 14th highest in the nation. We've got a lot of governments, and they're big, but they're close to the vest. Yes, they are. That's, that's the magic of governments in Colorado, the way you, you say it. They're very responsive because you they see them at the grocery be. store. They have to be yeah. responsive. Your county commissioner is right there, and you can slap him next time you see him in the produce aisle. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is. What should we look for in the special session? Any, any smoke sig signals we ought to keep an eye out for? I'm, I'm, we have some new people. Uh, new socialists. Um, who have been appointed to new seats uh, since, the, uh, since the end of the last session. And, and I, I would keep an eye out on how those people um, nav sort of navigate what's going to be going on over the next couple of days. It's, it's weird because most lawmakers, the very first time that they show up at the legislature is not for a special session. Right. That's a good point. And the other point is how to put this diplomatically. Property tax is complex. Very. That's why HH lost. It was too dang complex. And legislators, how to put this uh, uh, politely, are idiots. <laughs> some, and, well, some of them don't speak English the way you and I right. speak English. They, how, how to put this? There are many of them who know their fields. Oh, yeah. And if you're a rancher and you're a, a legislator, you might know the ag business very well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Frisell... That's, that's the beauty Frisell of our legislature. Is, a, is, a, is an assessor. She understands this stuff. Yep. But some of them do not. And so they, uh, they're willing to listen to a very few people. So people can come down there and do a shell game and get them to think they know what, what they're doing. Most legislators have no idea what property taxes are, how they're set, how it all works, and so they're flying blind. They don't want to talk about this stuff. They want to talk about things they know or things they're passionate about. This is why we're in such trouble with energy because they're passionate, but they don't understand the issues. You know, that's, that's a problem here. So this is, this is something they kind of wish would go away. Trust I'm, me, they'll want to get this done quickly. Yeah. We got Thanksgiving coming up a couple of days after that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> trust me, this, is, this is how we govern. We've got to get out of here. We've got Thanksgiving. 
This is what happened in the last, <laughs> if you'll recall, John, this is what happened in the last session. The Republicans wanted Good Friday and Easter off so badly, and that, and, and that was something that was very valuable to them, that they negotiated for how things would move forward, and this was in, this was in April when they were working on a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, that's, that's what people do, They're, you know. And, and, and I, don't think that that's a, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. These are citizen lawmakers. These are people who want to spend time with their families. These are people who have other jobs to go to. They're all getting pulled away from their, the jobs that actually pay their salaries because you know darn well the, what the, they get paid the legislature, most of them, is, is peanuts. Nobody could live on that. Oh, put in the per diem. Some of them are doing if all you, right. If you're, if, you're, if you're an out-of-town legislator, if you're more than 50 miles away, yes, your per diems are very high. If you're a legislator who lives within 50 miles, the per diem is, frankly, it's ridiculously low. I remember when it was 17 grand. Uh, yeah. You know, that's when you wanted to be a legislator. All right, Mary, thank you so much. This is always eye-opening for me. Reader in the Gazette, always get the Gazette. It's a great paper. Thank you so much. And Colorado politics. And Colorado don't, politics. Don't forget Colorado politics. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.